Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is the winner of the 2022 Penguin Magic Lecturer of the Year, Bill Abbott. We discuss his show in Florida, his approach to magic, and a lot more. Nick LaCapo stops by the show to discuss the featured product of the week from Chad Long. But before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians tell me the magic they never leave the house without. This week, the entertainment director for the Chicago Magic Lounge and another nominee for the Penguin Magic Lecturer of the Year, Benjamin Barnes, joins me for the everyday carry benjamin barnes thanks so much for joining me here on the penguin magic podcast for the everyday carry all right you're gonna go get groceries you're gonna meet some buddies for coffee you're walking out the door but you're a magician so of course you never leave your house without some magic what is your everyday carry uh always in my wallet i have max maven's Boave. Oh, it's a great trick. It's fantastic. If you're unfamiliar with Boave, you basically have four cards. You tell someone they're the queens or the kings, and uh, to name one, and they, uh, uh, you spread the cards, and one of the uh, the card that they selected, like say the king of clubs, is the only one that's turned over. As a kicker, you turn it over, and the other three cards are blue. The one they selected is uh, is red, and then when you turn all of the cards over, there's no other cards there. They're just blank or jokers. It's, right. It's really great. Penguin carries uh, Boy of Deluxe, yes. uh, which has got, it's basically the same trick, but with different back designs, different uh, court cards. But why do you carry Boyave? Uh One, it's convenient. It's mm-hmm. small. Uh, but two, it's one of those things you can get into right away. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of um, preliminary speech mm-hmm. or there's not a lot of procedure to it and the premise is fun you mm-hmm. know i'm not showing you a magic trick this is a game of imagination mm-hmm. and uh, i think people are a lot more likely to want to play that game mm-hmm. than some of the other things that magicians do um so yeah i love it i just and it, it's great because it fits in a wallet i, I love that you carry boave on you every All day the time all right. Well, yeah. Ben, thank, that's a fantastic Everyday Carry. Thanks so much for joining us here You're on welcome. the Everyday Carry. Thanks so much to Ben for joining me on the show. Be sure to stick around at the end of the episode to find out when I'm going to be at the Chicago Magic Lounge next. For now, on to the main event. Bill Abbott is something of a living legend in the magic industry. He's performed at some of the biggest stages in the world, earned the respect of the biggest names in magic, and released hit effect after hit effect. His routines are so popular that some of them have become the standard way magicians perform the plot the routines are based on around the world. Bill Bill Abbott joined me via Zoom, and now you get to join our conversation. Bill Abbott, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm I'm so excited. I'm I'm disappointed a little bit because we didn't get to do this in person because we had a whirlwind performance lecture product filming with you, particularly because there was a whirlwind in your home of Florida. We were going to come down to your theater in St. Augustine and film you, uh, but there was a, a hurricane got in the way. Nasty Nicole. She uh, she flared up, and um, we had to, we had to recover from you know the flooding and the in the nonsense, and you know keep the show going down here. But it was uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the perfect timing, obviously. But uh, we're all safe and well. So I'm glad to hear it. And your your theater is uh, survived as well because I think you literally you had a show like last night or t- or a day ago that you you're back up already and performing. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your show in St. Augustine? So uh, it's a, it's a long story that I'll try to make brief and interesting. Essentially, I we moved down to St. Augustine with this, with the sole intent of opening a weekly show. So I didn't know what that would be. I didn't know what incarnation that would be, but 
uh, three years ago, just before the pandemic, 2019, September, we start we we put uh, we started renting a spot in an old cigar factory and started renovations, and that took about six months, uh, five to six months, and then you know we were poised in March of 2019 to open, and unfortunately, obviously, <laughs> the uh, the pandemic changed all that, so everything shut down, and then we paid rent for about two or three more months, and then just realized okay, this isn't opening up anytime soon. So we had to let that go. And we had put renovation, you know, we've done renovations through the whole, the whole, uh, the whole, you know, section that we had as well as, you know, we just got the plumbing, you know, in oh, and man. approved by the city. And it was, it was really heartbreaking, but um, so then I was depressed for about six or seven months. And then I switched gears and just thought, Hey, if I were to redo this again, I realized that I didn't want to re- really want to manage a restaurant, mm-hmm. run a bar, uh, you know, in addition to doing a show. <laughs> so we decided, uh, my wife I, and I, Rebecca, decided that we would partner with somebody who did that already. And we wanted to do that with somebody who did it really well. Mm-hmm. So we basically approached uh, the owner of the best hotel in town and struck a deal and we are now at the Casa Monica resort and spa uh, weekly. We are now open. We're doing shows Fridays and Saturdays, two shows a night. And it's really, it's really worked out for the better in the long run. I don't, I don't think in 2019 and March yeah. of 2019, I would have been able to convince myself of that, but it did turn out for to, in, into a better scenario. I mean, you know, the, the only you know, the bright side of it is that you did have an abandoned cigar factory to play in by yourself for a few months, which is I that think- was the, uh, the dream. The dream was the dream of that was so much so strong and it's so exciting. And we had, you know, it was like a secret package passage mm-hmm. that, uh, you oh, know, man. all kinds of weird and interesting things that I had created. I really had sort of a, a Walt Disney moment where I was like, <laughs> I actually had, a, I actually almost, we, we purchased actually a, a, a talking toucan animatronic that cost me a million dollars. Not exactly, but million dollars to me. And we, <laughs> and then I, but then I pared down and just realized like people just want to see a magic show. Yeah. So we, you know, in, in, in the, in the evolution of this all, I've actually pared it all down, oh, you really? know, and I think, you know, we pared it down from what it was because we had a champagne room that had uh, floor to ceiling foliage. It was with gold monkeys and um, it was crazy. It was really kind of sort of opulent, but like, eccentrically opulent. <laughs> and I just realized, and after that experience, realizing that, oh, let's just roll with a magic show in a great environment and see how that comes and see how that uh, rolls out. So that, that, that's what's happened. Eccentrically opulent is, is exactly what I think of when I think of Bill Abbott. And I, I, I do want to ask a couple of other questions, but I am curious what happened to the animatronic toucan? I had to, I had to let it go. I did. Oh. I had to let it go into the wild. Um, I let it, uh, did you let it go in an <laughs> Apple store? <laughs> I just... let it go. No, I let it go on, on eBay. Um, <laughs> it does, but no, it was it was a custom it was a custom Axtell bird animatronic thing wow. that we that, that Steve Axtell made for us. It was it was gorgeous, oh, but man. but yeah, yeah, I just it t- turned into something that was you know not manageable to the point where we just realized yeah. it was like a yeah. Well, let's not dwell on the loss of a toucan, but I you know I seem to notice a number of pretty strong performers partnering with hotels and creating shows like this. 
I th- you know, I think obviously the one that a lot of people jump to is either Steve Cohen or Dan White. But here in Columbus, we've got uh, one, the Rare Magic with uh, um, uh, Drew Murray. And then I'm seeing, like, I know Chicago's got a couple of these things, and, I, and they're showing up in uh-huh. Florida. But it, it seems like this is one of those, like, if you can find a great partner and you already have a great show, you can really set yourself up for success with this. And it sounds like that's what you've done in St. Augustine. Yeah. So, uh, I agree with all the sentiments. I feel like, and there's a lot of people, I think I'll tell you my reasoning behind it all. Mm -hmm. It's something I, about 20 years ago, I partnered with a, with the owner of a jazz club. And he had a three-story complex. The middle, you know, the middle, uh, the middle story was the jazz club. The top floor was a lounge. The bottom floor was a kind of a five-star steakhouse. And I wanted to, I wanted the lounge. So that's where I would do my. I did a weekly show up there, and it was very successful. And it sort of it was the blueprint to what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be in that thing. And I think it was my one of my mentors, Eugene Berger, who was always like always telling me like try, get into the best places magic should be seen in the best possible light in the best possible venues and that's that was always a precursor in my mind of like yeah that's what i'm striving for that's what i'm yeah. trying to do that's what i want to do and so uh, gearing my magic for those types of venues and my presentations in addition to um just partnering with people who have like-minded you know that have that really want to bring the best of whatever they do or whatever they, you know, whatever their skills are to the table. And that just happens to be, you know, uh, higher end venues because yeah. they understand uh, hospitality. And I think that's really the key. I think that that's such an, uh, such an accurate and insightful statement. You know, I had a gig this weekend, uh, which was, I, I sort of took cause it was the holidays, but it was a family that wanted me to perform and they, and because they had lots of kids and I was trying to explain, like, I don't normally perform for kids. I work for companies and like adults and we play with interesting concepts and it's like, it's not for kids. And it was really hard to convey that. But when someone is in that environment and sees magic the way it could be seen, like your venue, I mean, even, I mean, the audience was not ready for what you hit them with in at in Columbus at the P3 theater. I mean that was arguably one of the strongest shows that has ever been in that theater and we have had some really heavy hitters. Uh, I appreciate that. And, and, and um, I'm sort of pivoting a little bit because your show is you and I talked about this a lot when we were just sort of hanging out between the lectures and the and the uh, filming things. Your your show features stuff that I think a lot of magicians would write off. You know, we talked about about hmm. this. Like the the invisible deck like is the something. Operatics. Yeah, the the invisible deck is a really good example of a lot yeah, of people yeah, refer totally. to it as something that they would put in their case if they ever got into trouble. But for you, it's a feature. How did you get? I mean, and and a lot of your show is like that, where it's it's tried and true stuff that I think a lot of people would just go, oh, it's not cutting edge, but it is arguably some of the strongest magic and best entertainment that people have. How did you get that to that level? That's a really good, that's a good analogy. Uh, I appreciate your observation because it's, it's something that it's always, it's always plaguing my mind is like, how can I make this better? How can I make this? And I found for myself, a lot of it comes down to what's the methodologies or what's the methodology in an effect that I can do in my sleep mm-hmm. 
so that I can focus and connect with the audience and also create or frame this effect in a way that is personal to me or interesting to me and I'll, you know, hopefully interesting to the audience. So taking the invisible deck as an example. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show was brought to you by Hysteria from Chad Long. Nick LaCapo joined me via Zoom to discuss this visual feast of coin magic. Nick, I think the world needs more tricks from Chad Long. I'm just going to, that's a hill I'm prepared to die on. He's got plenty of them, that's for sure. And they're always good. Especially when you see, yeah, yeah. If you've never seen Chad Long do a trick, I feel bad for you. Oh, man, I worked the Magic Castle with Chad Long once, and my family came up to me after my show and said, you were great, but have you seen (laughs) Chad Long? This week, we're talking about his coin effect, Hysteria. Uh, I couldn't even believe that this was a Chad Long trick Like when I first saw it. So it's a matrix routine. You get four coins, you lay them on the close-up mat there, and, I mean, you could do whatever matrix you do, and then add this phase, because that's essentially what this is. It's kind of a, a phase of a matrix. You could do it standalone, but it's only going to take you a few moments to do this. And here's what happens. Instead of covering these coins with anything, you just use your hand. And instead of like touching the coins, you just wave your hands above the coins. So uh, let's say they're in a, a square on the table. Well, you pass your hand once over the four coins. Like you just kind of keep them close enough together so that they're in a square, but your hand can cover all four. And just with one pass, the four coins assemble to two and two, right? Yeah. And then a second pass and they assemble to three and one. And then a third pass and they assemble to all four together. You don't apparently touch the coins at all, and you're just waving your hand over the top of them, and they assemble into the corner. It's a horrible trick to try to explain on yeah. a podcast, well, especially because but if you see it in real life, it looks madness. It the, looks like madness. It looks like they teleport. Yeah, well, especially because, and what's so difficult to describe is that the coins jumping. Don't like the pattern doesn't seem to match up with the way your hand moves. Right. Like does yeah, that, you're not like moving it. It's like it feels like one continuous motion. You just move your hand from left to right. Mm-hmm. And there's no possible way that the coin underneath your hand could have like gone to wherever it went. Like you've got to check the demo out on this because it, it's it doesn't it, your brain does not know how to interpret the way these coins jump around because yeah. it, the only uh, the only solution is magic because it's it's all so counterintuitive and the the method will surprise you because you'll be yeah. you'll be like I can't believe that's how that works and it's, it's just one of those things that like Chad's really good at this stuff it's supposed you watch it and it's supposed to be very difficult yeah. um, but I promise you, you can do this. Yeah, um, it's a very, it's actually pretty easy to do, and another one that's very fun to practice, and I, also feels like something you could never show anybody. <laughs> you can totally do this for people, which is wild. It's just totally wild. It sounds like a cliche, but like if you can wave your hand, you can perform Hysteria by Chad Long. You're gonna love it. Check it out. That was Hysteria by Chad Long, available on PenguinMagic.com. As always, the incredible listeners to our show receive 25% off the feature product of the week when they enter a special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is WAVES. 
That's Waves, W-A-V-E-S, for 25% off Hysteria by Chad Long. That code is only good for Hysteria and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Bill Abbott. And I found for myself, a lot of it comes down to what's the methodologies or what's the methodology in an effect that I can do in my sleep mm-hmm. so that I can focus and connect with the audience and also create or frame this effect in a way that is personal to me or interesting to me and I'll, you know, hopefully interesting to the audience. So taking the invisible deck as an example, um, I think I performed, we were performing the princess and the pea routine, which is uh, based on the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale and talking about how the, you know, the sensitive princess was able to sense the green pea at the bottom of all these mattresses. And just like that, there's one card reversed in this, you know, this deck mm-hmm. that someone shuffled before the show. Someone chose a card, and now this we we bring a we bring a, a would be princess onto the stage, and she sits down on the deck. And she tells us the card she thinks it is. So it's you know that's the invisible deck, but it's not the invisible deck presentation, and it really it creates a sense of. Storytelling is in every one of my tricks. It doesn't yeah. even matter if it doesn't seem to be a story. There's a story that I'm either trying to tell or that we're trying to create in doing the trick. And I think that's at the at the base or the baseline of all the all the effects that I that I do. There's always a story or an interesting or I'm trying to create a story that they'll go home with talking about. You know, that I think that that's storytelling is an interesting way to frame that. Because if if I heard somebody say, oh, I do the invisible deck, but with a princess and the pea theme, there are two different ways to do that. One is the way that you would see sort of at a magic club meeting where somebody may tell this story. And the other is sort of the Bill Abbott way where, I mean, like that's a closer. H- how much mm-hmm. of this is a force of personality that you have developed over performing live shows and how much of it is a dissected script that has been like honed to within an inch of its life? Or are those things that just sort of go hand in hand? Uh, I don't, I'm not great at memorization. I don't have, I don't sit down. Um, I will uh, create a line or hear a line in a movie or in a play or something. And I will write lines down and then I will get the gist of what I, you know, and then try to put it in my own words if I'm trying to add it to to a, to a uh, an effect or a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, I, I, you know, it, it's only analyzed and dissected now, but it came from a lot of loosey-goosey, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to describe it, present yeah. uh, performances where I would just go out and say, okay, I've got this idea. I'm going to start with this and end with this. But in the middle, I don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to do it. And a lot of times, like, I don't know how you bring new tricks into your show, but for Mm -hmm. me, I will just do the trick. Mm -hmm. So I will just do the trick, no presentation, no, like, you know, other than, you know, what needs to happen to make the the trick come about. And I will judge from that moment whether or not the trick is worth putting the effort into creating an effect after that. In in terms of framing it and how I'm going to, how I'm going to present it. Um, so the, the effect alone has to be strong. That's mm-hmm. that bare 
at the bare minimum, that has to be the, the strength of the effect is the thing that will motivate me to continue to work with it, which is probably why I'm still using the invisible deck <laughs> as an example, because someone names a card, it's upside down. Yeah. You know, that's it's a working man's uh, out in the open card index, really. So they're naming a card, you're producing it. Yeah. And I feel like it's hard. It's really hard to beat that. I can't think think of any other thing other than a card index, which is in your pockets where they name a card, you pull it out. But then in that case, you're hiding something where this is out in the open. You really have, and I really like um, methodology that is out in the open, you know, plainly seen by the audience. You know, what I mean, it's not, not plainly discovered by the audience, but an invisible deck is an example. They name a card, it's upside down. There's no other moving parts within that. It's all contained in that deck. It's it's interesting because it sounds like you're you're starting with like just it, the raw power. If I if I don't dress this up, if I don't have jokes, if I don't have a compelling presentation, if I just like just use take the raw power of the trick. Let's start there, and if I can get big reactions on that, now let's build around it and let's build through play and talking it out over and over again, sort of in the trenches in real time with people. Yeah. Yes. I, it, now. You can confirm or deny this, but I, I have heard that uh, when you go and perform on gala shows with other magicians, it can get difficult might be one way to put it, or awkward can be another, because some of your effects have become mainstays in many people's shows. Six-card repeat is the one that comes to mind. I, I think I've seen more people do Bill Abbott's six-card repeat than I've seen Bill Abbott, and it was fun to finally see you perform it in the P3 theater. Is that is that true? <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, you know, I I've done it to myself. I put my effects out into the, into the open marketplace. Mm-hmm. So, and I have nothing to complain about because when you're a working performer and you have a family, I have two kids, and all through them growing up through the you know early two thousands, etc. You know, you know, selling my routines whether that be an lecture form or product, you know, actual props, that's what was, you know, able to stabilize or, you know, my income, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, as a performer, it's feast or famine a lot of times. And so you're living through a lot of different scenarios where you're like, Hey, we got lots of money today, but some, next month we, we may not be able to pay the rent. Yeah. So having the ability, um, and also being really welcomed with open arms by the magic community to, do that and to you know other performers got as excited as i was about sharing the material they were excited about getting the material and using the material and i guess my my only prerequisite is that it's the material i put out and have you know i've always put out is material that i've actually performed Mm -hmm. in hundreds of shows in front of paying audiences that's really the prerequisite for me um so let's uh let's rewind to my first magic castle appearance my first you know I, I got to perform in the parlor at the magic castle mm-hmm. the very first time obviously the 12 year old me was was uh, pretty giddy <laughs> and excited and i'd never been to the magic castle i'd never you know i'd never really you know i'd been to la for a couple gigs but i'd never really explored hollywood ever so it, that the whole thing that whole experience was amazing and tc tahoe was kind of the catalyst for that he's like you've never performed the castle i gotta get you in the castle so him and you know he was he did the close up and I did the parlor and 
that's obviously where I met Jack Goldfinger, who's the, the, the entertainment director, um, hiring all the magicians. And I remember him sitting in my first three shows because I knew he was going to sit through one, <laughs> but then he sat through the first three shows, which kind of made me nervous, obviously, because I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And then at the end of it all, he said, Bill, it's good to see the guy who made the tricks do the tricks. <laughs> so there's that, there's that, um, you know, thing. So Sunday before I did my first shows at the castle, I go in to see the, the, the previous week's performers do their sets and good friends of mine. And in, I would say in three of the show, actually, yeah, three of the shows, um, there was a Bill Abbott magic routine in three of the shows before. And two of the tricks are tricks that I was actually going to do in the next week. So I'm like, do I still do my five card box? Do I still, you know, like, I was like, are people going to be coming back, you know, from, from last week and coming back, wait a minute, this is the same show or this is the same trick, you know, and magic is kind of like Christmas. It's kind of like you've opened all the presents. It's like, well, I don't want to open all the presents again you know it's kind of that surprise factor so anyways i i had a bit of a you know a moment mm -hmm. then where i was like oh geez uh i don't know really know what i should do here but you know what i you know did did what i do and um it was all fine i <laughs> i'm glad to hear that it, it all ended up okay uh Bill, we are just about out of time, and I, I wish I could talk to you all day, but I, I think I need to have you back on the podcast because I, I feel like you have a million stories that you could share with our listeners, and uh, and we need to get down to, to film you in your theater. Thank you so much for joining us on the Penguin Magic Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Bill Abbott for joining me on the show, and thanks to you for listening. Well, kids, it's that time of year when Nick and I go on the road again. If you're in Key West this weekend, keep an eye out because Nick LaCapo is headlining the Key West Theater. And in a couple of weeks, I'll be at the Chicago Magic Lounge, March 16th through the 19th in the 654 Club. Tickets are still available for both, and we look forward to seeing you when we perform live. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe, as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you are hunting for the latest magic on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you're going to have to wait until I get out of this brand new chair. I just got a new Razor office chair. And look, I know I'm a big old Razor fanboy, but this thing might be the most comfortable thing I've ever put my butt in. I'm never leaving this chair. But if new furniture in your home office is an exciting, is an exciting you, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. <laughs> <laughs>